All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, on today's episode of the Kill Your Internet podcast, we have the music director of the mighty WMMR here in Philadelphia, Sarah Parker. Sarah, how are we doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm really happy to see you. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I know we've been trying to do this for, uh, it feels like a decade, so it's, I mean, it's about time. It's about last, damn time. The last three months feel basically like a decade. It, it's Honestly. You know, I was actually thinking today when we I was like getting ready for this and I was like the last time I saw you, we were we were talk we were, we met, we had been talking about the MMRBQ and I remember like I had just come back from LA and we had like a whole tour planned and I remember like the the tone of the conversation was like, man, 2020 is going to be awesome. And then like two months later the world stopped. So that's so true. Uh, our business yeah. meeting at California Pizza Kitchen feels like so long ago. And we really were. I mean, you had big plans for the band. MMR yep. had a whole bunch of irons in the fire. I know. Uh, on a personal level, you and me both had stuff going on. And yep. it was like, ah, stop. But hey, that's life. That's the cards that we're dealt. I was just going to say, and I feel like so much of what's going on right now is going to help people come out of it, it is going to be determined by how you kind of like took it upon yourself as soon as it started to just be like, all right, I'm going to do like use this time for good or I'm just going to shut down. And yeah. uh, I guess that, that our first question for everyone we've been bringing on is like, how has quarantine been for you? Like what, what have you been up to? Like has, have things changed for you? Like what's going on? It's been a journey. Um, I think that <laughs> the quarantine has caused everybody to sort of reevaluate their processes, uh, yeah. how they spend their time, if they're spending it uh, in the most, efficient and valuable way possible. And I, I could certainly say the same about me, both on a professional and personal level. Um, like a lot of other people, I stayed home from work for a long time, but was still working, thank goodness. Um, still have a gig. <laughs> and I know that there's a lot of people out there who are in a tough spot right now, so I'm grateful every day for that. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, to go from working in a studio and being surrounded by these super energetic, massive personalities every single yeah. day to being at my kitchen table, so uh, definitely a change in speed, but I was able to make it work. I do a lot of digital work for MMR, <clears throat> excuse me. So I was able to do that remotely. Right. Um, I have my own solo show on Sunday. So I did come in for that. We were allowed to come in if there was only one person in the studio at a time. How odd was it to be in the WMMR studios just by yourself and trying to get your work done? But like you're used to like all this commotion <laughs> going on. You got Preston and Steve down the hallway yelling about stuff. You got Jackson, uh, Pierre Robert. Just to go in there and kind of have the space to yourself. Was that like a really odd experience or was it kind of nice? crickets man it was weird it's, and look i like um being able to sort of retreat so i can get certain projects done there are right. certain times of the day where i'm like just leave me alone for an hour so i can finish this <laughs> one thing but then i get lonely so i'm right. like this weird introverted extrovert and that's sort of a theme that i've been thinking about this whole quarantine again on not just a professional level but a personal one as well what is introverted and extroverted and which yeah. one am i and i think the answer to that is i draw energy from within. And I think that's how you define what an introvert is. But right. again, I, I get so lonely. I miss people <laughs> easily. So I need those influences in my life. But um, to your original question, I would come in once a week, uh, Sundays to get some work done, do my show. And then during the week, I hop on to Jackson's show. I produce that show. It's uh, afternoons three to seven, if you want to tune in, 93.3 <laughs> WMR, shameless plug. But we you went have right into the radio voice, <laughs> right into the radio voice. I heard it. I can't help myself. But 
oh, Jackson and I were very lucky to have such a great rapport and great chemistry, but it right. was so weird because I was given some equipment to take home and I was able to chime into his show from my couch. The connection wasn't always great, but it was better than nothing. And boy, the conversations we've had, he'd be like, all right, now we're going to throw it to Sarah and her cats. <laughs> and you could like hear them running around in the background, but that's, that's where we all are. And I feel like listeners can relate to that. I mean, too, like, you you wear so many hats over at MMR as well. And between doing Rock Breakdown now, which now was Rock Breakdown, which is kind of your digital, you know, it's like one minute long, go down to, into what that is. But was that more of a, like a quarantine creation or was that something that you just happened to have started right before that? That was actually my New Year's resolution for 2020 was to create a video series of some sort. Yeah. And Rock Breakdown, it's quick hits of rock news stories, which I prepped for my radio show anyway. So I was like, why don't I just take this, make a video out of it. Um, and the first one, I think we did it in February. I've been wanting to do it for a long time, but um, got together with our video wizard, Nick Murphy. Shout out to Nick Murphy. He's Shout amazing. Nick Murphy. <laughs> Love Nick Murphy. Um, and then we did a few, they were weekly and then quarantine hit. And it was like, well, I'm still on the radio from my couch. So why don't I do this series? from my couch so my husband god bless him we literally like taped his phone to a tripod <laughs> and pointed it at my couch oh god and the cats would just like saunter in once in a while things would fall over it was very diy <laughs> but now Little, we're back in the studio thank goodness if i had a, a dollar for every time i said during quarantine god bless my wife like <laughs> people who aren't married or don't live with their significant other don't understand like I'm not used to spending 24 hours a day with my wife. Like we, right. like I'm a musician. She is works in an office, so we we see each other in passing a lot. You learn a lot about somebody else when you're quarantined with them the entire time, and that's the personal level side. It's been great. It's been unbelievable. But like you said, God bless my husband. My first thought was like, because upstairs, <laughs> our up, this upstairs room turns into a studio at night. It's an office during the day, so it's. God bless you those. have to adapt. Yeah, no, that's a great example of how people have had to adapt personally. And lucky for you and I. We get along with our spouses. I'm sure there are people out there who are like, get me out of here. <laughs> I was saying oh. the, number, the number one people who are going to really do well after this are divorce lawyers because I feel like yep. a lot of people are going to learn some things they don't want to learn. Sad, uh, but true. Seriously. All right. So let's go into it. Music director now. You've been with MMR for a while now. And I just want to say, congratulations. At such a young age to be doing so much at one of the biggest rock stations, an absolute institution. Like, I want to know, where where are you from? How did this happen? How did you get into radio? Like, what was your process of becoming like the music director at WMMR? Well, thank you very much for that. I love what welcome. I do, um, and it's an honor to do it for Philadelphia. Uh, where should I start? I guess the beginning is the best place to start. <laughs> I've been at MMR for eleven years now. Eleven years, just last wow. month, actually. That's and I started. I grew up in South Jersey. Um, radio, even before I was conscious of it, radio has always been such a huge part of my life. Like I remember being really small and riding in uh, the passenger seat of my dad's truck and he'd have like the chili peppers and Guns oh, N' Roses yeah. blasting out from the radio in the truck. And then when I got older, I was really into Y100. I think you and I have talked I about know, this. I know Y100. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So that was, I was <laughs> obsessed with it. And the day that Y100 went off air, I remember that. But um, I should back up for anyone who's not from Philadelphia. Y100 <laughs> was an alternative station back in the uh, '90s and into the early aughts. And one day, one. Uh, they flipped formats. I think it was 100.3. Actually, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But 94.1 was something else. But when they flipped formats, I actually went to every 
uh, radio, physical radio in my house because I thought there was a technical issue. Oh, I was God. like, why is R&B playing? What's happening? That's the worst when you don't know oh. something's going to switch over and like you're looking for like the rap channel and it winds up being like uh, easy country, listening, yeah. like country gospel. <laughs> like, and you're like, what the fuck is this? This is not what I was expecting. So bad. So that was heartbreaking. But fast forward, um, I went to Drexel here in Philly. My major was music industry, and part of that curriculum was taking a Radio 101 class. Um, and this guy, the professor, is introducing himself the first day of class, sort of rattling off his career and where he's been. And he said, and I uh, recently was the program director of Y100. I didn't even know what a program director was at the time, but I was just like, that means that you had such a huge hand in my formative years. Like, holy oh, crap. His so name is cool. Jim McGuinn. He, um, when he was working at Drexel, he was the program director of WXBN, which is a AAA oh, wow. station here in Philadelphia. So yeah, he he was doing that before Bruce Warren took over. Bruce, so, former guest, our uh, yes, our boy, good old Bruce. Shout Warren. out to Bruce Warren. Shout out to Bruce He's Warren. great. Um, so I took that class. Long story short, and because Jim used to work at Y100, he hooked me up with Preston and Steve, who now work at WMMR. Got there an internship is. with them. And uh, man, that internship, I don't want to say it was brutal because it was good, but whew, it was you want to talk about being big thrown into the fire. Oh my yeah. goodness, big personalities. And they put their interns to work, man. We were doing some real shit. And <laughs> I didn't have a car at the time. So I would oh take the God. bus. I would take the bus from University City at like five in the morning over to the Wissahickon stop because it was so early that a regular schedule oh, didn't wow. run and then i would switch buses and go over to bala kinwood so, where the were you gonna walk were. through the woods to bala kinwood <laughs> like, dude in rain or sleet or heat zero degree weather uh, i was on that bus and i was going because i loved it i loved it so well, and too, uh, like i feel like each of our guests that we've had on recently mm-hmm. like there's one thing that always stands out to me about each guest like we had uh, our friend scarlett hernandez on last week and i said to her like you're the most authentic person I know. Um, and to you, like one of my, the things that I've, it's always jumped out to me as long as I've known you so far, you love what you do. And you said it without me even having to point it out, but like you can absolutely tell right away how much you love rock music, how much you love your job and how much you love the radio. And I just want like, that is to me, like the number one overlying like theme of this conversation to me is how much you love your job. I do. And I never want to half-ass anything I do. So I think it's important to love what you do. Even if you don't love it at first, find something about it that you do love and can be passionate about because then uh, it's going to become a part of you and you can put all of yourself into that. And the weirdest thing is like when you meet people in the music industry, I guess from an artist perspective, when you, when you meet people who you're like, wow, like they're getting paid to do what they love. And then they just come off as kind of like jaded or they're just like, whatever, it's a fucking yeah. paycheck. I don't care. That's so disappointing. But when you meet somebody like yourself, who is like, I absolutely live and die for this. It's, it's so gratifying just to be like, holy shit, that's so cool. That person really loves what they do. <laughs> The dream is real. And that's not to say there have not been challenging moments. There have been many over the last 11 years, uh, including all of those early mornings in the rain waiting for the bus. <laughs> Little did I know it was going to get even more difficult from there. But it's worth it. When you love what you do, it's worth it. Yeah, never so, worth a day in your life. Exactly. You know. Except you um, really do. Like You really do work. <laughs> that is such a bullshit phrase. I remember my parents always saying that to me when I was a kid. And I was like, yeah. And then like I got into music. And I was like... <laughs> I fucking love this but like this is hard <laughs> like, this is if you fucking- don't hate it like 30 percent of the time then it's not really a job is that's it? what they need to start putting on t-shirts if you don't <laughs> fucking hate it 30 percent of the time you're good all right so i want that shirt so let's get it so you're an intern at president steve yes 
what's your next step? Because of course, then there's Jackson local shots, all that. And like, that's where like mm-hmm. I came to know you was the local shot section. Right. So I want to say it was like three, three and a half years into doing the internship. And like, there were certain, there were levels that I went through. It was like unpaid internship. And then I sort of became a associate assistant producer that was getting paid like seven bucks an hour. So still an internship, but <laughs> still paid internship, barely. Yeah. Um, and Jackson's producer um, got a promotion and went to a different station. So he needed a producer and I swept in like, hey, hey. I know how to produce <laughs> Preston and Steve so I can sure as shit produce your show. And he's like, whatever, just get over and here. <laughs> Let's go. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but it turns out that he and I get along really great, which when I started as his producer, producer did not have a very strong on-air role on his show. But right. like I said, we happen to have such great chemistry and I never ever take it for granted. So I started hopping on into conversations on the air with him more and more that eventually became a daily rock news segment that we do. And gosh, I've been doing that for like six or seven years now. And what's amazing, like I, cause I've grown up in the city. Like I, I I've listened to MMR my entire life and I remember mm-hmm. Jackson, Jackson pre you. So I remember Jackson when we yeah. were younger and you've added so much to that show, like your oh, role gosh. in that show, like the back and forth conversations. Fantastic. Um, but you know what's it's it's funny. I didn't even mean to cut you off, but like I have this no, written okay. down, I have this written down in my notebook. Like oh lo- local shots in the Jackson section introduced me to so many Philly bands. Silver Tide was probably the first one that like I was like, oh shit. And it's funny now because like I have conversations with Nick Perry through Instagram or whatever. Oh, he's wonderful. Um, but like the one name, like this is how much local shots meant to young artists. I have the name Don McCloskey written down. Do you remember Don McCloskey by any chance? That, that sounds really familiar. Uh, he had a song called This Just In that I like fucking fell in love with. And I was for sure, like, I thought Don McCloskey was like the biggest name in music just for being a kid and like hearing <laughs> him on local shots. And I like bought the records. I think I saw him at JC Dobbs. Like, yes, your involvement with the Philly music scene. Mm-hmm. I remember like just thinking how cool it was. This was like five years ago. We were just starting out. This is a show at Milk Boy. And you came out after we hit you up. And I was like, holy shit, she actually took the time to come out. Like to you, like, being a part of the Philly music scene, it's important. Is is it really that important to get out and, and kind of like touch the people, see the shows? Absolutely. I, I love live music in general, but I think it's really important to get out and see how a band operates in that live space Absolutely. as opposed to a studio. And side note, really missing it right about now, but I'm sure Me we'll too. talk more about that later. Um, but it really is important because you go out and you're not only seeing the band on stage, you then get turned on to the other bands that are on the same bill and you see how the crowd reacts to them. So then that informs my decision as a programmer, um, you know, where should I feature this band? Is it going to be as an artist of the month? Is it going to be like a one-off online thing? And it also sort of clues me into how committed a band is. Cause Absolutely. if I see a band on stage and then five minutes after they're set, I see them fighting as they, <laughs> you know, are loading their equipment out. I'm like, Maybe I will invest a bunch of airtime into yeah, this band. I'll, I'll probably, so bands probably. out there, conduct yourselves well. Even well, if you let's think go. No one's watching. In well, public. let's go into that. So, yeah. as a music director, as someone who works with the programming for the station, what for artists who are trying to do their thing? What stands out to you? Like when you when you're looking at these bands that are, are coming to you, they could be national bands, local bands, whatever. When you're deciding what's going to go through the MMR airwaves, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. The process is a little different for our primary playlist as opposed to our local playlist, but I'll start with the primary. Um, MMR, we are so fortunate to have a huge variety in what we play. 
um, a little bit of hard rock, a little bit of all, a little bit of uh, AAA folky stuff. And yep. also in terms of era, we play brand new music and we also play Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. It's my favorite thing about the 60s MMR. And 70s. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great variety, but it's sometimes tricky to achieve that balance. So when we're assessing new music or even reassessing the stuff that's been in our catalog for years, we sort of uh, take research, take listener opinions into account and sit back and say, okay, are we too heavy on one thing? Are we too light on this other thing? And that informs a lot of it. Now, another, there's two other parts that come to mind. One is heritage. We've been around for 52 years and we have been able to maintain um, I guess I can actually blend these two points together because I was <laughs> going to talk about our relationships with the artists because we have live DJs and have for as long as we have been a radio station, we've been able to develop, Pierre Robert especially, really tight relationships with huge fans. Yeah, Collective Soul, Stone Temple Pilots. We consider these people our friends. Right. Um, so when they come up with a new song, you know, of course we want to give that some attention. Uh, and again, we're just so fortunate to have those things in our corner. As far as local music, when I first started with Jackson, I feel like that was sort of the start of the garage band era. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, bands who previously could only do like a cassette tape demo could now right. do something that sounded pretty good, but people were still figuring it out. Now, I mean, you guys crank out music all the time and it sounds great. Right. So some That's... advice to local bands real quick. Go ahead. If you have to put your energy and time and money into creating something put all of it into creating like two or three songs in yep. ep and make it sound really good as opposed to stretching your budget stretching your time across a double album well, yeah, if it doesn't sound great when you hand it to me it's going to sound worse when it goes over our airwaves and it's completely compressed so just a technical note that i had to throw in there it was one of the best like one of the best and most like backhanded dickhead pieces of advice that i've ever gotten in my entire life it was from a, a manager out of nashville where we don't work we don't work with we were in nashville they call it a hang we played a show and we're at a bar and we were just like like chopping it up and this guy had like a great background and i was just like wow i can't believe i'm talking to this guy <laughs> and he was like, uh, so what do you got going on? And I was like, well, you know, we're, we're in the process of finishing this. Uh, it's like a 13 song record. And he was like, why? And I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, we have all this and we're down here cutting it in Nashville. And he was like, you really think the world is like clamoring for a Foxtrot and to get that album? He's like, he's like, find two good fucking songs and put everything into that. And like right away, I looked at him and like, that's the difference for people who like, if you haven't gotten outside the city, like it's hard to actually get that clarity, like with from people in the industry, because it's generally like they'll just tell you whatever you want to hear. They don't care. Right. I actually kind of appreciated that. I felt like I was almost at home. I felt like something that one of my friends would say to me, like, fuck you, your shit sucks. And, uh, <laughs> you but, sound like one of my Philly friends. Exactly. But and, and like down the road, like that was like five years ago. We were like fresh out of college. Mm. I actually really appreciated that advice because even now, and I mean, I can share this now because probably by the time that this interview comes out, we will have announced this. You know, we have a full record done, but we are splitting it into three parts. And even from the thought process of I was like, if I was listening, do I want to listen to 14 songs in a row? <laughs> even for artists that I like, our attention span has gone this small. And uh, if I can give it to you in smaller doses plus stretch out my press time, why not? It makes total sense to me. Exactly. It's such a good strategy. Now, don't get me wrong. I, if it is well-arranged and well-produced, love a full album. But if you're just starting be. out and you're finding your footing and finding your audience, it doesn't yeah. make sense to waste all of that creative energy 
Well, it's also part of the thing is it, who knows when the next time we're going to be able to be on the road is. So we need True. to like to be able to parcel out like what we've created and what we continue to create and give people little bits at a time. But I think too, like you got to think about it. Like if let's just say ran, random band, like Royal Blood, we'll talk about Royal Blood because that was- Love them. We, you know, we had that conversation and I was like, could you put us near Royal Blood when we do the MM barbecue? <laughs> I love that band. But so if, if, if Royal Blood like says they're dropping an album, I want it to be 14 songs because I love that band. But if you're a young band, it's like, yo, get get your best shit out there. Let people get invested and then drop a huge album. That makes sense to me. Yes. Man, um, we should be writing marketing plans. What are we doing? Uh, I think that was like the later <laughs> part of my conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, let, let's go into that then. So what, sure. what have you been listening to? Like, what have you been, this is, now this is a segment we do on the show called What the Fuck We've Been Listening To. And uh, it's generally one of the first questions I'll ask somebody when I see them is, you know, what have you been listening to lately? This is nothing to do with the radio. This is more just to do with like, what have you personally been into? As far as recorded music, yeah. the new Code Orange album slaps. Oh my God. You are not I've the first person repeat. to say that to me. Oh my God. <laughs> you have to listen to it. It's like. How would you describe it? It's like. A prog rock opera on acid. Jesus, that's I, amazing. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> For fans of like Dillinger Escape Plan, uh, you know our friends uh, in the presence of wolves. Yes, good guys. It's a lot like that. Okay, cool. But a little more screaming, which I like. I, I love very aggressive music. <laughs> well, it's too, all right. So when you're in your when your role as kind of the music director, like do do you let your personal side get more involved in it, or is this more of like a, I'm looking at it from the station's point of view? Because I know, like, if you had your druthers, you probably have a little oh, bit man. more of the heavier side. Yeah. Uh, one day I keep telling myself I'm going to have like a specialty metal show on Saturday night or something where I can just throw all of that stuff. And then I don't have to um, disturb the neighbors during like <laughs> drive time. Like right it's now. The random, the random guys who are on a job site waiting for like a block of Zeppelin to come on and all of a sudden. I know. And then throw on code orange yeah. or every time I die, I'm wearing their shirt right now. But um, it's a good question. And as a huge music fan, it is difficult sometimes for me to take off that hat and put on the programmer hat because not everyone likes screamy music. In fact, most people just want to hear familiar stuff. Right. Under the bridge, Metallica's fuel. <laughs> like, and, and that's okay. The, yeah. We're you and I, as massive music fans. Right. Even though we surround ourselves with people who are like us, we're actually kind of in the minority. Absolutely. So, uh, to answer your question, it's difficult. Um, but I have to keep in mind that not everyone has the same taste as me. My taste is just the best. I mean, to, of course. That, that's another good t-shirt. I think you should get that done. So. My taste um, is just the best. I mean, from, for even from the artist's perspective, like I'm a huge, I love hip hop. Like I'm like a hip hop, I'm a nerd. I'm like a historian. I don't bring that much. I bring a bit of it into the band, but like not that much. So even in, in kind of having to curve what your band sounds like, as opposed to like what your personal taste sounds like, it's odd, especially when you're running such a large, you know, you're part of like a large radio station. You have yeah. to appease so many people, the entire freaking Delaware Valley. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. Speaking of, have you listened to the new Run the Jewels? Are you kidding me? I'm like, <laughs> Run the Jewels. We, we, had a, we did a podcast last week or last week. It was like two days ago. Uh, we were on our way out to a photo shoot uh, out in the middle of nowhere for press stuff. And uh, we recorded a podcast live from our tour like setup, nice. like our driving setup. And uh, one of the first things we talked about was generally run the jewels is like the number one thing in our car that everybody is like, okay, that's what we're like. RTJ4 was outstanding. 
I love it. I love it. I'm not a huge hip hop head, but I know you are. So I had to ask about that because I love it too. There has never been, like there hasn't recently been an album that like society wise and like what's going on in the world and an album happens to just come out at the perfect time and they match just for like subject matter and and also, I'm very happy to hear uh, Zach De La Roca come out right now. We needed that. We needed the Rage Against the Machine vibe to be on that record. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a really great track. Oh, gosh. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's go back into another question. So what was, like, growing up, like, the first, like, your evolution as a music fan? Like, what did you grow up on? Like, what was the first thing that hit you and you were like, this is my band? Like, did you have, like, an emo oh, phase man. where you're, like, a straight metalhead as a kid? Like, what? I went through a few different phases, Um, just like radio has always been a part of my life. I think rock and roll has always been a part of my life, whether or not I consciously realized it. Absolutely. Um, I'm a child of the 90s, and I know you are as well. So my parents uh, listened to all that 90s grunge, Chili Peppers, Pearl Jam, Guns N' Roses, Soundgarden, uh, U2 is a huge favorite of mine. And I actually remember- Oh, you like U2? Uh, I love you yeah. too. Oh my God. It's such a like polarizing you wouldn't believe. thing. It's such a yeah. polarizing thing, which I find weird. Uh, I mean, it's one of the greatest bands of all time. The like, soundscapes are just amazing. But I remember being, I don't know exactly how old I was. I had to be pretty young, like seven or eight. And there was a song on the radio. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I was like, who sings this song? I've heard it so many times. My mom was like, that's you too. And they also do this song and this. And she started naming all these songs that I was like jamming out to as a kid. And it was this total light bulb moment where it's like, oh my God, that's my favorite band. Because I like all these songs and they're all my favorite band. But I was so young that I didn't even connect the dots. (laughs) So that was definitely um, a first when I was very young. I would say when I started to refine my own tastes, Linkin Park was probably, I call them like the gateway band okay. because it had all those pop and hip hop elements that I was really into as a preteen. Right. But then the screaming came in and it was like, whoa, this is aggressive. But the interesting thing about Linkin Park is that it was aggressive without being, what's the word? It didn't attack or shame anyone. It was very introspective. It, they, Does that make sense? Absolutely. And there are bands too that like, it's a rare thing to find someone that could like a band that can achieve like an authentic sound that is loud and in your face but also dominate the charts like i don't know what it was maybe a product of the time or the fact that it was very introspective you know chester beddingfield wrote about and mike shinoda wrote about a lot of heavy shit Mm -hmm. and uh, that was my brother's favorite band like as a kid i don't know why i was i was a child of mmr like what was played on mmr was what (laughs) was played in my house um and so i grew up like a lot of ACDC, Aerosmith, mm. uh, Zeppelin, my dad's a huge Clapton guy, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen's my all-time favorite artist. Like, what what was getting played on MMR, like, the new metal phase went, like, right over my head. Like, when, yep. when like, new metal was happening, I went, like, hip-hop. I don't know why I turned that way, but I did. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of, I embraced the new metal, but, again, I feel like Linkin Park was the standout band at the time because everyone else was, like... I hate you. I hate your mom. I hate my girlfriend. (laughs) And they were just like trying to be better. And also again, Mike Shinoda is a genius as a producer. Absolutely. Um, He's been putting out some stuff lately that is just mind blowing. So I think it was a combination of the emotional vibe and Mike's talent that, that turned into all of those number one hits that you're talking about. And then from there I started getting into super heavy stuff. 
every time I die. <laughs> now stuff like Code Orange, like it sort of took off from there. Got you just did, you just really dove disgusting. deeper and deeper and deeper down the the heavy music rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's your guilty pleasure music? What what's your like what people like you're wearing the every time I die sweatshirt? Like what like something you're in the car and it comes on and somebody would look at you and be like, the fuck is this? So recently it's Post Malone and okay. Halsey. I love Post, I love Halsey. Throughout my entire life, and I don't really refer to this as a guilty pleasure because I feel zero guilt about it, but I love Hanson. Really? Oh my God, I am obsessed <laughs> with Hanson. I've seen them live. I, I lost count how many times. They're a great live band. They're incredible. They're incredible. Oh, I, the harmonies I, are so dreamy. See, I think for me, like, especially because there was something that went, I was talking, we were talking to uh, one of the guys from Barstool Sports recently, and we were talking about this list that they put up, and it was like, worst bands of the 90s are like, basically, they put Dave Matthews on that list, and I love Dave Matthews. Me, me, uh, me and my wife combined have seen Dave like 12 times. Like that nice. was I love Dave and I you know we have a horn section of the band like I fucking love Dave. <laughs> um but no I, I find it funny like I love that quote of it's not a guilty pleasure because I don't give a fuck like I really don't like I I have so many things we were we were on the podcast last week talking about um the show Queer Eye have you watched that show at all like the new uh, first I of love all, it outstanding and uh my, Eric, my cousin, was like, you can tell you're married because like, I talk about Bravo and and uh, Queer Eye on the show, and I was like, I got no shame, dude. I fucking, I love that stuff. Like, yeah. I really don't mind. I no shame it on at my all. Own. Especially they just came to Philly. They just came to Philly. Um, that was excellent. Um, Alright, so we've covered that. I also wanted to bring up Philadelphia, to me, the sound of Philly radio, especially, like, just vocal recognition for me, is very female oriented like and I, this might just be me because i think of wendy rollins i think of helen like i think of amber miller now and your voice jumps out now and i feel like like how cool is that to like know that you're part of that kind of like i want to say fraternity but would it technically be sorority <laughs> sorority, I, 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 I guess. sorority i guess sisterhood sisterhood exactly so like like how much is it like because now that i'm thinking about it it's not that that many voices but the major voices to me like wendy rollins will always stick out to me sure yeah. and uh she's like, great how is the, how has the experience of being uh, a woman on the air in Philly been and kind of like, where do you see it going? Like I can, cause you can almost feel it kind of growing. Like you feel pushed towards that. And I, I think that's amazing. Like how's your experience been from that perspective? I think some social changes that we've seen the past few years with the Me Too movement have really put a spotlight on women in every industry, but certainly in radio, which overall yeah. radio is still very male dominated and rock radio, pff, forget oh, it. Yeah. I am definitely in the minority. <laughs> um, and that's just how things have been. It's, I can't really pin that on any one fault or person, right. but I think that things are slowly changing. Attitudes are slowly shifting. And to be a part of that change is really amazing. Yeah, um, I do feel this, almost a responsibility to be extra vocal and extra welcoming to my rock and roll sisters, whether it's welcoming them into the radio station as an employee or just saying, come out to this show. If you're afraid to come out to this, you know, five finger death punch show, I was just trying to think of like a really aggro <laughs> band. Like if you're hesitant about it, cause you're a girl and you know, there's going to be a bunch of dudes there. Like I'll go with you. I will. Absolutely. You should be able to, appreciate and experience any type of music no matter what your gender and, absolutely uh i'm only a small part of it 
but I do try to take the bit of influence that I do have and use it for good and try to incorporate more of that. Um, not only in our playlist, but just in our community. Um, when you definitely when, do like, it's, it's yeah. very, oh it's, gosh, thank you. No, get out of here. <laughs> stop. I, I, to me, like I, I, I look at it from the perspective of like, I don't know if it's been the radio that I've listened to or, but like, and, and then when you said it out loud, like I, I, it is a smaller minority than I actually gave it credit for. And to watch, because we did, we've been to different radio conferences and I was impressed seeing like kind of this, it was almost like a 50-50 split for the alternative side where we were. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. But on the he- on the heavier side, like to watch you kind of doing what you're doing, it's almost kicking down some doors, dude. It's, it's pretty awesome to see. Thank you. You're very uh, welcome. One, one thing that I have, uh, this just popped into my brain, but for so long, especially in heavy like metal music, yeah. women have been very sexualized, mm-hmm. which it's a challenge. So right. I think of Lizzie Hale as an example. She is Bad someone who ass. oh love her, um, but she embraces her sexuality and she's very right. unapologetic about it. Um, there are plenty of women who don't want that part of themselves to be so public, but it doesn't make you any less feminine or any less of a metalhead. So I think people, again, I see the change beginning and it's very slow, but we, we need to pick up the speed a little bit. We need to separate that idea that like every woman who's a metalhead looks like a Motley Crue right, groupie. Right, right. But here's the thing, if they want to dress like that, they sure as fuck can. And God if they right. don't, if they want to wear this long sleeve shirt like the one I'm wearing right now, <laughs> they can. And they're not any less feminine or any less of a metalhead. So right. I will now get off of my uh, platform and get, get the, <laughs> I feel like I went can, on a tangent get, there. Get the fuck back on that soapbox and you say whatever <laughs> you want. I'll say too, like from our perspective, you know, we have Erica, we have Tory members who are, who are her women. And, uh, I just watch Erica do what she does and it's never even a conversation amongst the band. Like, like Erica is just one of us, but yeah. Erica is the most confident, just like, I'll do whatever the fuck I want. I don't give a shit what you think. And I think that like, I've, I've loved that. And that's really like kind of rubbed off on me too. Like Erica is just someone who, I don't know. You, you can't tell her what to do per, per, per se. And, and it's really cool to see. And it, that wasn't how it was when she started with the band either. She was a little, little more timid. And then as it's, it's going on, she's just like, all right, I'm going to dye my hair purple and I'm going to wear fucking overalls to this, this photo shoot. Fuck you. I don't care. It is what it is. And like, cause she's I, a bad bitch. That's a, right. Absolutely. I'm devil. I, I don't think I can go with the bad bitch thing. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, I feel like I'm like, go to the studio tomorrow and she might punch me in the face. <laughs> Erica is like five foot, nothing and scares the living shit out of me. I'm dead serious. You're so lucky to have her. I, love I am. Her. Erica is the, uh, I think I, I might be a little more of like the overarching, like brains of the thing, but Erica's the common sense and like the moral, like pointing you in the right direction. Erica's the a, compass. Erica, she's the compass 150%. You know, uh, Sarah, this has been phenomenal. Uh, I'm so glad we finally got to do this. Like, as if it really feels like it's been a long time coming. I think my one thing is like looking at the rest of the year, looking moving forward, like what changes do you think? Like, cause we don't know when the fuck we're going back on the road. Nobody does. And I don't like, creatively from your guys perspective like do you guys plan on moving more digital like because as a radio station you guys touch the people a lot you do your camp out for hunger you do so many uh cardboard classics so many things to like get in the community like what's the game plan boy i wish i had a solid answer because (laughs) it, it, it seems to change 
daily, but uh, I will say this, you brought up community and that has been always, but especially during this pandemic, one of radio's strengths, live and local radio, Um, not just us, but all live and local radio stations were able to be that voice, that source of information and that comfort for Philadelphia or whatever community they happen to be in. So really the plan is to continue that trend. Um, We have done frontline heroes programs. We've done local business support programs. We're trying to be boots on the ground in that regard to really help the community members who need it, but also just your average Joe who is lonely because he hasn't been able to go to the bar with his buddies in three freaking months. So yeah, uh, when I'm on the air, I try to meet people where they are and just be, keep them company and keep things up and positive. And as a programmer trying to, again, provide that comfort in the form of music, in the form of the digital programming we're doing, making sure that we're present on all social platforms. And uh, again, just a source of information so that people trust us and can come to us for that. Absolutely. And you guys are doing an absolutely fantastic job. I still listen to MMR all the time when I'm in the city. Um, Sarah, this has been outstanding. I'm asking you for a round two already. I guarantee we'll have you <laughs> back on. Um, any parting words before we, we head off? Um, first of all, yes, I would love to come chat again because I really like to talk and yeah, you, you guys do. rock. And I cannot <laughs> wait to hear what Foxtrot has in store because that's going to keep 2020 very interesting for I'll me send- and many other people, I'm sure. I got to send you that zip folder over. I got Please do. We got I know the you did. mixes back. Let's go. Game on you for not sending it sooner. Well, if we would have had the band communicate a little bit faster on the small, <sighs> tiny, insignificant tweaks that we wanted to make. Can you tell the <laughs> The significant <laughs> tiny decibel point mixed notes that we had to give over to our mixing engineer. You would have had it last week. But you're such an artist. No, I'm dealing with six morons, is what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Um, I lump myself into that, by the way. Gotcha. Uh, parting words listen to MMR. We're always here for you. You can listen on the radio, 93.3 FM. You can listen online, WMR.com, or you can download our app. It's free. Search WMR and you'll find it. If you want to follow me, not sure why you would, but you can. You at should. radio underscore Sarah. No H on Sarah. I don't know why I'm like writing it with a pen. I was going to say. What, I'm I, tossing that. What am I doing? I'm I conducting this, an orchestra. I say this all the time. I love talking to people on the radio for this because they, they flip in and out of the radio voice too. Because we can just be having a conversation. And then all of a sudden it's like, as soon as this goes back to the station, it's like such muscle memory to be like, and listen to 93.3 WMMR here in Philadelphia. Everything that rocks. Everything that rocks. I have a problem to where like I'll start a conversation, you know, very like, how are you today? Like, how are things? And then by the time we get like buddy, buddy, I'm like, ah, dude, that's fucking awesome. Like the accent, <laughs> that's so terribly. And I apologize. Nah, bro. <laughs> nah, dude. <I'm> <laughs> All right, Sarah, take it easy. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Keep doing everything you are for the Delaware Valley. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Yes. Got it. Let's do it again soon. All right, dude.